And joining us now, North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer is with us. Senator Kramer, great to catch up with you, sir. How are you? Well, I'm very well, thank you. It's great to catch up with you. I've been welcoming this opportunity. I'm sorry I've been difficult to nail down. Hey, no, you're a busy guy. You're a busy guy. We appreciate you making the time to join us here and talk a little bit, Senator. And I think top of mind first, uh, a lot of folks are watching this story, uh, this purchase of of farmland near Grand Forks Air Force Base uh, by the Fufeng Group from China. Um, I know you, along with your uh, colleague there, North Dakota Senator Hoven and uh, Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, I know you've been asking for a review of this purchase. Uh, just, I know it brings up a lot of national security questions. So, mm-hmm. in general, walk us through the latest, and just what are your thoughts on this on this whole deal that is uh, potentially taking place here outside of Grand Forks? Yeah, no, thank you for that. It's first of all, it's an issue that has a lot of people in the community uh, in and around Grand Forks. Uh, very divided, and, and they really shouldn't be, because the goals of the uh, the people that pursued this investment by Fufang Group, which is owned, uh, whose chairman um, Li Shui Chun is a, a very active member of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, you know, while we we are suspicious of his motives and and their motives, and understandably concerned, um, everybody's got the right goal in mind. Um, they want to they want to secure their air force base. They want to secure America but they also want economic opportunity for agriculture and for for workers in their community the problem is and and the, and the red flags that get that go up of course is your first point it's it's 12 miles from the Grand Forks Air Force Base, which is a very important uh, ISR base, that is to say uh, Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance Base. It's a reconnaissance wing uh, for the Air Force. And uh, and it's also now become a uh, the home to the SDA's very first land uh, or ground uh, station for, for low-Earth low orbiting satellites. So there's a lot of data, shall we say, that goes from from the sky to the ground, from space to the ground, in and around Grand Forks. Um, data can be stolen and manipulated and used, and China has demonstrated a, a great proficiency and willingness to do exactly that. But I think, Jesse, there's a broader challenge and a broader issue for me, and I think for a lot of us, and it's still a national security issue, but it has to do with our food supply chain. I think people should know that, that the Fufang investment it's about a $700 million plant, uh, corn milling plant that they plan to build here, it, it, should it go forward. Um, it, it's one more of many investments that, that, that are, you know, somewhere in the, the hundreds of billions of dollars of investments, or at least $10 billion of investments of farmland, and, and a lot of investments in the food supply chain in the United States, including, of course, meatpacking, the Smithfield Foods, for example, owned by China. And China has proven to be very capable of acquiring a lot of supply chains, critical supply chains, and then utilizing those supply chains for their own benefit. Why else would you buy them? And so I th- I'm concerned that just the continuous purchase of, of food assets, of agricultural assets by China, the Chinese Communist Party, that allows them with their one and a half billion people and their growing economy and their growing military to manipulate yet another vulnerable supply chain. Uh, and as you know, there are lots of supply chains that they have a lot of control over. Mm-hmm. Critical minerals, uranium. You know, uh, we're having a, a debate this week and voting on a bill this week on um, on chips. 
Um, and so, um, pharmaceuticals. So anyway, uh, there's a broader concern. And I would just say that the, the Fu Fang investment isn't the biggest investment, might not even be the worst one, but it's the latest one. And mm-hmm. after, you know, what, $6.1 billion of land purchases by Chinese Communist Party in the United States, this one has gotten finally sort of the straw that's breaking the camel's back. Well, very true. And you you led me to what I was going to say next is that this feels like a a broader issue, you know, not just China, but other foreign entities, uh, Russia, countries in the Middle East, you know, you start to see some of these sales, you know, buying up prime U.S. farmland. Uh, Senator, I know we're trying to get a review of the Fang deal, but on the broader scale, Mm -hmm. I know there's been talk of some other bills in Congress. What could be done to try and curb some of this foreign investment that may be harmful? So really great point because there is there's legislation that wants to that identifies to your point China, um, Russia, uh, North Korea, and Iran as particularly specific and large and more imminent enemies of the of the United States, and that they should they should be prohibited from purchasing um, farmland or land of any type in the United States now. That's fine. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm against that. Don't get me wrong. But I think we have to go into this, you know, with our wide, eyes wide open and with great scrutiny. Because on the on the other side of a willing purchaser is a willing seller. That willing seller is generally a farmer, but certainly a landowner. And because of our open free market capitalist system, we like willing buyers and willing sellers. The problem is, is from a national security, food security, energy security, and all the others uh, standpoint. We need to be careful to whom we sell. And so uh, you're right. There's legislation to try to stem that. Or The other thing, interestingly, by the way, the CFIUS review that Senator Holman and Rubio and I have requested, CFIUS is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. It's, it's a 14 to 16 member committee made up of cabinet and White House officials and sub-cabinet officials, all the national security and, and homeland security and, and you know, law enforcement agencies as well as commerce and agriculture. And, um, but it's, it's headed by Department of Treasury. Um, agricultural investments or purchases or transition, transactions are generally exempt from CFIUS. So there's legislation to no longer exempt agriculture. And I think that's a good bill. And I think Tommy Tuberville, Senator Tuberville from um, from Alabama has that bill and, and I'd be supportive of that. So I, I, I like increments, Jesse. I don't like knee-jerk reactions, um, but it's time to recognize that we have friends, we have allies, we have occasional allies, we have situational allies, and then we just have adversaries. And not every foreign government should be treated the same. Senator, let's shift gears just a little bit. Uh, I know earlier uh, here this summer, Supreme Court, uh, the EPA West Virginia case, uh, they curbed EPA's Mm -hmm. regulatory reach on climate change there. But we've also seen EPA working on some other things here recently. I know going after atrazine, a lot of corn farmers, uh, farmers in general Mm -hmm. are watching this very closely. So if just taking a broad look at the things that the EPA and the administration is doing, I guess I'll throw this question out there. Do you think the EPA is trying for too much regulatory overreach right now? Well, I think the EPA under the best Republican administrations has attempted too much um, overreach. <laughs> and But under a rogue administration like this one, it's completely out of control. But 
you started the question by referencing the West Virginia versus EPA case where the, where the Supreme Court of the United States on a six to three decision said too much. Congress is the policymaking branch of government. Congress is not authorized under Title 111D of, of the uh, of the code of the Clean Air Act. Um, you know they've not prescribed these these uh, solutions that you have for energy production. What, why does that matter? Even though it's a fairly narrow case. It's, and it's not precedent setting on all of these other cases, whether it's a particular product that we use on our fields or whether it's waters of the United States. But what it is, is it's, a, it's the Supreme Court of the United States restoring the power where the power belongs for policymaking. And it's, it's trimming back the powers of an administrative state that has decided that with broad authorities like the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, and others, they they have the uh, authority to create rules that either go against or 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 impose things that Congress never contemplated or prescribed. And the Supreme Court says you can't do that. And the Supreme Court is exactly right. So what that means is the EPA continues to do what the EPA wants to do in terms of overreach. But they need to be aware that we have a court now, a Supreme Court decision that has said your powers are limited to those powers that the Congress itself has given you, not to extra constitutional or extra statutory powers. And that will trickle down to all the other courts. So um, the administrative state can try to do what it wants to, but they need to know that there's, you know, there's at least a new trend, if not a new precedent in, uh, in the Supreme Court, which should re- be reflected in lower court decisions going forward. Senator, let's turn our attention to the farm bill here real quick. Um, obviously, sure. negotiations are starting to happen. Talks are happening at least. You know, we're, we're starting to gather input from, from many different parties. As you look at the upcoming farm bill negotiations and you talk with farmers and ranchers throughout North Dakota, what are some of the, the biggest things that you are looking for in the uh, 2023 farm bill? Yeah, so uh, it's a great point because um, there are some issues. We have, by and large, a, a pretty good safety net in, in our crop insurance program. But, of course, farmers, one of the things that, that are concerning them right now are the, is the inflation that is added to their input costs. Now, that same inflation is added to the price they're getting for their products, but the price of their inputs are going up much faster than the price of their of their profits. And so... Um, that said, that means that the, you know, that the, that the prices that are, that are, um, locked in for their insurance premium, for example, crop insurance premium support, uh, probably aren't adequate to the future. And so a lot of them are concerned about that. And I think there'll certainly be an attempt in the farm bill to try to, to, to add to the, to that, um, and it's probably appropriate. Uh, at the same time, we're seeing that the, the main, the largest title, of course, of, of the farm bill is always the nutrition side. That takes up every farm bill, a, a bigger percentage of the outlays, uh, with some expecting, you know, 80, between 80 and 85 percent of, of, of uh, the next farm bill's outlays will, will be for the nutrition title. Um, and, and a lot of people don't understand that. And so consequently, um, I don't, I don't advocate a decoupling, if you will, but I do advocate clear transparency in what um, the, the, the farm bill dollars are being used for and why, um, you know, a safety net for our production agriculture is really, really important to, again, back to food security. Um, it, it's, it's important that we have secure farmers so that we can have a secure food supply that provides economic opportunity as well, obviously, as, um, as, as food. 
Well, and to bookend this to kind of wrap up as well, you mentioned food security again. I'll mention energy security again. Uh, I know here just seeing today um, a group of senators advance the Next Gen Fuels Act uh, in in Senate here today. Um, Just curious your thoughts on that and biofuels and energy security here in general, because obviously we've seen a lot of volatility with gas prices, diesel prices, Mm -hmm. everything going on with the war in Ukraine and just world supplies and, you know, Seeing this act uh, advanced in the Senate here today, just wondering your thoughts in general on on the energy picture. Well, part of the problem is is that for Democrats, my my dear friends and, and the Liberal Party, they have a 2050 fantasy that's bumping up, you know, really clashing into a 2022 reality. You asked about biofuels and their role going forward. One of the challenges we have right now is that there's a there's a the clash is not between biofuels and, and traditional you know fossil fuels. The, the clash is between liquid fuels and and they've yet to be developed battery you know, powered electric vehicle um, world that that cannot meet the, the fantasies of the Democratic Party. And the transition is not going to happen uh, overnight. And yet there seems to be an attempt to pretend it's going to happen overnight. So, uh, you know, we, we need to continue to be the leaders in innovation in our country. But what we can't do is is pretend that the innovation already exists for an all-electric fleet, for example. Um you're not going to move big truckloads of grain with with an electric battery, at least not very darn far. So there's again pretending that the world is something than it than what it is is not going to advance anything, and it's certainly not going to help climate change because much of the policies that the Democrats are promoting simply transfer their climate guilt to other more polluting countries. We need to continue to work on cleaner ways to produce liquid fuels and fossil fuels and and work on the transition slowly in a in a measured way that makes sense and doesn't add to inflation or worse yet um, fuel shortages or electric electricity blackouts and brownouts well senator kramer uh great stuff as always a pleasure to catch up with you and i appreciate the time and thank you uh, so much for joining us today and i know we'll get a chance uh, hopefully to talk again real soon but for now i will wish you a great rest of your day sir thank you very much thank you for the opportunity as always bye-bye